My name is Gillian, and this morning we're reading from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62, and we're reading from the New Living Translation. And the title of the passage is The Cost of Following Jesus. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. He said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Hi, friends. My name is Dave. If we've not met, I'm on the pastoral team here and happy to be sharing from the Gospel of Luke today. A number of years ago, I was with my sister and her family. There is eight of us four kids and four adults, and we were downtown. I had the idea of buying everybody candy apples. I knew there was a store a few blocks away, and as we walked toward the store, I tried to build anticipation. Buy whatever you want, it's gonna be really awesome. What happened? Well, when I was in the store, and as everybody walked past me back onto the sidewalk, I could not believe the size of candy apples. They were gigantic. They were enormous. I had no idea. I was the last to order. I ordered small, and when the bill was calculated, it was well over $100 with tax and tip. I was so surprised. I had not counted the cost. I was thinking 30. It was almost four times the amount. Wow, lesson learned. As we look into our passage today, we see three people engaged in conversation with Jesus about following him, but we quickly realize and learn that these people had never counted the cost of following Jesus. At the end of the conversation, it doesn't really say what happened to them, but what we do know is that they'd never counted the cost. Let's take a look. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to to 62. What's been happening? As we move to the end of Luke chapter 9, we find Jesus traveling towards Jerusalem, doing what Jesus has always done, teaching and telling people things, but all the while calling people to come follow him. He's continually doing that. Come follow me. And friends, he's been doing that ever since. Even now, some well over 2,000 years later, that message is still being heard and still being responded to. Come follow me, Jesus says. That invitation makes our way today into our songs, into our liturgy, into our scripture reading, and into our prayers. 
And I would say perhaps today, as we look at this passage of scripture, that maybe this is one of the most misunderstood calls to action that is within our world today. This call of action, come follow me, is, is a call to action about Jesus towards us as it is about us towards Jesus. What do I, what do I mean by that? If a person's understanding of the gospel or following is described mainly by what someone does rather than what Christ does, we miss the big idea. Furthermore, if we do that over a long period of time, our gospel will more sound like a list of works rather than about grace and the gift of salvation, which the invitation to follow Jesus actually is. We do know that Jesus was an honest recruiter. He talked openly and honestly about expectation. But as we listen closely, we hear Jesus doesn't simply want something from us. He wants to give us something. And in this passage of scripture, those two people, um, one volunteer, two people being recruited, they never heard the best part of the message. And because of that, perhaps didn't benefit richly and entirely like they could have. Perhaps in our passage, Luke doesn't record their response because he wants us to apply Jesus' words to our own hearts. That we'd stop learning, that we can learn about these people as we take inventory about our personal relationship with Christ. So, three ideas that flow from the text that Jillian read earlier. The first one is that following Jesus is not a task which is added to other tasks, like working a second job. Following Jesus is everything. It's everything. Following Jesus involves a solemn commitment requiring a disciple to reorder everything because the only way to follow Jesus is totally Look at these three people that we're introduced to in this passage. In the case of the first person, Jesus must have sensed that their offer to follow was a bit impulsive and, and idealistic. The person had not thought through carefully what following Jesus would entail, so he walks away. The second person thought that following Jesus was important, but not more important than family obligations. They carried in their heart this interest to pursue their earthly father's inheritance rather than receive the guarantee of their heavenly father's inheritance and chose to handle his own affairs personally rather than laying the full weight of his life upon Jesus. The third person volunteers to follow Jesus, but, the, but with a stipulation that he must first be allowed to go home and say goodbye to everyone. Perhaps they thought that following Jesus was important, but not more important than letting go of old relationships and an old lifestyle. In essence, what is coming from the second and third person is I will follow you, but, but, one of the most beneficial things that you and I could do in our relationship with Jesus is remove the word but, but. Following Jesus 
involves removing the word but. Jesus could tell that these people's hearts were divided. And so Jesus always taught, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. All those concerns that come behind will be added to us. Secondly, following Jesus is not just an important thing, it's the most important thing. So Jesus is not a slice of life or something that rounds out an already good life, making us perhaps even nicer. Jesus is about the center, the center, the center of a person's life. And that is why Jesus, in talking and calling and teaching and inviting, always went after a person's heart because the heart of a man, the heart of a person is the center. Jesus taught earlier in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, you might remember from earlier, from weeks ago, Jesus said this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. For what you say flows from what is in your heart. Jesus always made it first about a matter of the heart. And how well we do as we do the same. I think of Jesus' teaching again. We've been in the Luke, Luke, Gospel of Luke again a, a few uh, weeks ago. Luke chapter 8 when Jesus taught the parable of the four soils. To summarize, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. We, we were here a few weeks ago. Let me remind you of the summary of the parable of the sower. A man's reception of God's word is determined by the condition of the heart. So in other words, our capacity to come and follow Jesus is a matter of our heart condition. We were just with, with some friends uh, from Montreal. And uh, my friend, uh, he had um, has a heart condition and it kind of crept up rather quickly to a point where he was somewhat rushed towards heart surgery and had some stints placed in his heart for the proper flow of blood, of course, and healing in the days ahead. But he testifies to how days prior to being diagnosed with a heart condition, he noticed that his pace had really slowed down. He was tired, he was sluggish, he was unresponsive. He talked about the physical condition of being sweaty, unable to keep up the pace of work. He couldn't keep up with his coworkers. He had a heart condition. His, ab his ability to follow his normal routines had been completely restricted and inhibited because of his heart condition. Friends, you and I will, will experience all kinds of limitations to following Jesus today and in the future if our heart is not healthy. The heart is the control center and determines the pace in which we follow along with Jesus. Again, be reminded of the parable of the sower. It highlights four different kinds of heart conditions or soil conditions. And you and I are one of these four. There's no other but the four. 
The, the, the seed fell on hard ground. There are people today whose hearts are hardened to the things of God. And I know what a terrible place to find somebody in. This, the, the hard ground represents someone who is hardened by sin. They, they, hear, they, they hear the invitation, come follow, but do not understand nor respond to the word. And Satan plucks quickly the message away, keeping the heart dull and preventing the word from finding any place of conviction, certainly no commitment. The stony ground identifies someone who professes delight with the word. Yeah, this sounds good. However, their heart is not changed. And when trouble arises, their so-called faith quickly disappears. Their, their heart is, is stony. There's, there's all kinds of complications. The thorny ground depicts someone who seems to receive the word, but whose heart is divided because of a love for perhaps riches and pleasures and lusts. The things of this world take their time and attention away from the word and they end up having no time for following Jesus. It gets, it gets as thorny ground. There's so many competing forces. Well, that parable speaks of the good soil or the good ground or the good heart condition. It portrays the one who hears, understands, and receives the word of invitation and then allows the word to transform and to accomplish its results leading in abundant life. That parable helps us find our place in where we're at as it relates to following Jesus. I appreciated Elisa's teaching last weekend. She said something that I wrote down and have been thinking about ever since. She said, the gospel is God saying, what is mine is yours. And the responsive question Jesus asked is, will you allow what is yours to be mine? All that is within. All of you being given to what Jesus says his is offering of all of him. What a beautiful exchange. But anyone who has secrets will lack intimacy. If we try to hold things back, either secretly or suggestively, we will lack intimacy, not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with people. Anyone who has secrets will lack intimacy. That's why Jesus says in the gospel, you have to be all in. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor with your whole heart. Anything less than that will inhibit or restrict intimacy. Jesus said, draw near to God and draw near to others with your whole heart. Bring all of yourself. And when we hold back anything that doesn't get us there, then we will lack intimacy. We will face ongoing limitations in following Jesus if we try to keep things for ourselves and it will lead to a, a pandemic of a heart condition that is critical, that is so, so critical. We see this in uh, relationships with God. We, we see this playing out in relationships with, with, with human, human relationships. If someone carries a grudge, a hurt, an offense against someone, 
There may be cordial friendship, but there will never be intimacy. Someone may get along with someone, but they won't get close if there's secrecy. That's why Jesus said, bring all of yourself. Bring all of yourself. And that leads to intimacy. How unfortunate that we don't benefit from the gospel to bring all of ourselves to God and to others. Perhaps this is why marriages struggle. This is perhaps why families struggle, relationships struggle, teams struggle, churches struggle, because there are things between themselves and God and there's things between themselves and others. If we have secrets, we will in some way or another try to protect ourselves by avoiding, by dismissing, by hiding through secrets rather than pursue intimacy. So Jesus said, hey, I'm going after your heart. I bring all of me, will you bring all of yourself? That's the gospel. The gospel calls for 100% because that's what Jesus showed up with and that's what Jesus shows up in your world today with, all of himself. See, following Jesus is not an important thing, it's the most important thing requiring our most undivided heart and most undivided attention. Finally, number three, following Jesus employs a common occupation each day. Everyone in Jesus' audience on that day would have immediately understood the part of the illustration found in verse 62, that if a plowman looked back, it would affect his ability to plow properly. In fact, looking back from the plow would invariably cause him to plow a crooked row and possibly damage the crops he had planted. What, a, what an apt illustration of what happens when we focus on anything other than our Savior. And this great invitation of following Jesus with all of our hearts, mind, and soul. We will invariably plow a crooked row and damage the crop, the crop within and perhaps the crop without, the crop around us, uh, represented by the souls of people all around us. And wow, that has the potential of having earthly and eternal, and eternal consequence. Anyone that walks around with a divided heart has the potential to have negative influence. In this uh, verse 62, Jesus emphasizes the consequence of disobedience when he states that the person who looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Strong words. The original language here is helpful. The Greek word uh, translated fit means useful um, or suitable. The same word is used in Luke. We're still in Luke, Luke chapter 14. Looking ahead, verse 35, they describe salt that is worthless. It's useless either for the soil or for the Manure pile, it is thrown out. See, the idea here of being someone that, of a person who looks back, who focuses on anything or anyone other than Jesus, renders himself, Jesus says, uh, um, not fit for the kingdom, perhaps useless to the kingdom. Strong words. See, profession of Christ perhaps is easy, practicing the presence of Jesus over the long haul is the test of life. 
and the test of the commitment. So as we close, let me, let me say this. When we talk about the cost of following Jesus, we have to get it right. Jesus paid the cost for you to follow him. That's why he died on a cross some 2,000 years ago. He gave all of himself suspended between heaven and earth on a cross. And he said, I give you all of myself. So the cost of following Jesus is us responding to that gift of grace and that gift of salvation. Come along, bring all of yourself and let Jesus help you. That is the cost of following Jesus. He paid it, we benefit. We have to be so careful when we consider these types of passages. Jesus is not placing a yoke upon you He's taking a yoke off of you and he's offering you abundant life with himself and with the potential of having abundant life in relationship with others. Wow. See, to pick up the cross that Jesus is talking about involves putting your heavy cross down. The burden that comes along with sin and secrecy and restlessness, picking up healing and authenticity, and deliverance, and peace, and joy, and just simply knowing the freedom that comes with the absence of secrets. See, the cost of following Jesus is more about coming and getting something as it is about confessing and laying things down. It's more about receiving as it is repenting. It's more about getting something as it is about giving something up. It's more about picking something up than it is about putting something down. And Jesus Jesus wants that for us today. So whatever you would imagine your greatest obstacle to being honest and authentic with God and with others, I want us to take that head on. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, today. I want to encourage you to take God at his word. He offers you abundant life, and you can have that today by simply saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. I receive all that you have to offer me, and I bring all of myself to you. Change me, care for me, enable me, help me. I lean all of my life upon you today. See, God doesn't want something from you as much as he wants something for you. Let's hear God's invitation. Come and follow and discover a gospel that's all about what God does and gives to people along that good way.